Who does it matter to? Black lives should matter not only to us, but to everybody. Not sure, but who does it matter to? Black lives matter to everyone. Does black lives matter to black people? Absolutely. Why are they killing each other? Welcome to the Father's Day. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. We are back on the set of the Father's Day. Amazing. Don't forget that uh, we are on Patreon. Click the little Patreon link in the uh, description to support our work. I have with me David Turner. He is an activist scholar from Inglewood, California, and a fifth-year doctoral candidate at UC Berkeley. Welcome, David. Hey, hey. Thank you for coming on, man. I appreciate it. What is an activist scholar? Well, so um, there are a lot of people who do research, who do scholarship work, um, but don't necessarily put those, that research or those skills to use for the people, right? So um, for me, right, like I'm not only a PhD candidate, but I'm also a full-time community organizer, right? Oh, like, okay. you know, my job is to um, work with local communities to help them build power so that way they can change the policies and practices that directly impact them. And I forgot to mention that you're also a member of Black Lives Matter? Yes. Um, you're I'm, a member? Yes. I'm How part long of have you been team. a member of Black Lives Matter? Um, I've been a member of BLM since 2014. Oh, really? What made you decide to become a member? Well, I, 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 think, the, I think the issue, right, is it's important for people to stand up and fight for their own lives, right? You know, to um, to work to protect, right? Like, you know, what is most sacred to them, which is their right to exist. Right. Um, so for me, right, that was certainly important. I think also being um, directly impacted by uh, law enforcement and law enforcement mistreatment um, definitely also encouraged me to, to be a part. Oh, okay. And um, you have a five-year doctoral candidate at um, UC Berkeley. What is a doctoral candidate? What does so, that mean? So, <laughs> so for um, so on the process to get a PhD, there are different steps in the way. Um, the first step is you have to um, do your coursework, right? So you take classes, you read a book per class per week, depending on what the topic is. Um, then you complete your coursework. After that, you have to do something called qualify, which means that you have to demonstrate a certain level of knowledge about your field. Um, after you get past that stage, then you have to propose a new idea, a dissertation topic. And then once your committee approves you to do that dissertation topic, that means that you are something called ABD, all but dissertation, or you're officially a PhD candidate at that Amazing. time. So, uh, so yeah, that's the stage I'm in, and I'm currently writing my dissertation now. What made you decide to go to college? Well, I, I mean, I, I think for, for me, um, you know, it was kind of instilled. My mother, she is a graduate of Tennessee State University. Um, my father didn't have a high school diploma at all. Um, but I think for them, right, like education was important. I think the broader challenge and one of the broader challenges here in a lot of our schools is that even when young people want to go to college and pursue college, they oftentimes don't have the opportunities to do so. To give you an example of what that looks like, I graduated from Morningside High School in Inglewood, California. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, we didn't have the same level of AP classes, our advanced, our advanced placement classes, as a school on the west side or as the Beverly Hills. You know, you can take AP classes in four subjects at Morningside compared to um, taking classes in up to 15 subjects at a school like Quartz Hill in Lancaster. You know, so, um, so while... Right, like it. I think I definitely had the opportunity to go to college, and I'm proud of that. Right, I think oftentimes one of the broader issues, and one of the issues that we address, I think more more specifically in the community organizing space, is that there isn't that there is an opportunity, oh, right, see. to get there. So my job is to help create that opportunity. You were raised. I mean, born and raised in Inglewood, California. Um, in Inglewood and other parts of Southern California, right. and lived in Tennessee and Texas for a little bit. Yeah. What was your neighborhood like in Inglewood while growing up? Well, I grew up in a place called the Bottoms. Um, you know, it's 104th and 10th Ave. Right. Uh -huh. It is. Um, you know, it was definitely you know a neighborhood where there was gang activity. 
um, low income, had a high population of immigrants, black and Latino immigrants, right? So we had high populations of Haitians, Belizeans, uh, folks from Honduras, as well as folks from uh, from El Salvador, Mexico. What a and, mess! Yeah, and, and 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 I mean, I wouldn't call it a mess, <laughs> you know. And you know, as well as right, like you know, just regular black folks, right? So it was. Um, so I think growing up in a neighborhood like that, right? Like oftentimes when people think about like you know growing up in neighborhoods with gang activities, they're thinking like people are dodging bullets every day and you know, that there's violence. Yeah, there was violence, but I think there were also too, right, was a very real sense of community. You know, um, we had folks who were on our block who would call themselves gang members who would help my mom with groceries or who, you know, would make sure that me and my friends got to school safe, right? Like, Were you ever you know, part of a gang? No, not, not personally. Did they try to uh, force you to be, become a part? No, uh, again, right, like they, they were the ones who actively told us not to do yeah, it I've seen and that. to and to stay in school and keep playing basketball because you know gangs and hooping isn't our gangs and violence isn't the way right so again I think there's a there's a popular narrative that like in urban black communities where there are where there is gang violence that you know that it's all the way bad and that's not yeah. necessarily the case you know you mentioned that white schools are better more qualified or better equipped than the black schools. Why don't the black teachers and black principals and school board, why don't they care enough about the blacks to make sure that their schools are uh, brought up in the same manner that the white schools are? Why don't they care enough about the blacks to do that? Well, so I, I, think, I think this is the, the issue, right? Because at my school, I had some phenomenal educators, some phenomenal, um, you know, some phenomenal administrators who supported us. I mean, some of them were problematic, others were really good. Um, so I think with that, the real issue isn't necessarily, right, like, why don't they care enough? Because I think they do. I think the issue is resources. When we look at schools and school funding, for example, schools are funded by property taxes, right? right? And if everybody who lives in a particular area is a renter and they're not paying property taxes, then how are the schools going to get that additional funding to hire those teachers who are more qualified to then teach those AP courses? To give you another example of what that looks like, at my school in the 10th grade, we had a geometry teacher, or we didn't have a, a, a solid geometry teacher. So for 10th grade geometry, right, like we had five different teachers over the year and we stayed in chapter one. So how are we supposed to perform well to get more performance-based funding from the federal government if we don't have consistent educators? Is that a, a money issue or like a teacher doing the right thing issue? Well, it's, it's, it's absolutely a money issue, right? So you're saying that if the, teachers had, the black teachers had more money, they would have done better in that class? No, I'm saying that if the school districts had more money to hire and retain oh, the talent that they need to, Right, then they would do it. But, but oftentimes do, these school districts don't, as a matter of fact. you know that they do get the money, but they, the blacks misuse the money? The administration, the so-called leaders of the black community, they keep it for themselves rather than investing it into the school? Were you aware of that? Well, I mean, I, I, think, I think there is some truth to that, but I think it's a lot more complicated than that. What do you mean? Right? Either like, you're stealing the money or you're not. Well, you can't get anything simpler than that. Well, no, nah, it's, 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 not, it's not necessarily that simple. Some, some parts of it are fiscal mismanagement. Other parts of it, right, are not having the fiscal response, not having the fiscal resources at all, right? So, you know, to give you an example of what that looks like, um, in, in the city of Inglewood, uh, I was a part of an organization called the Social Justice Learning Institute. Social um, Justice Learning? Social Justice Learning okay. Institute, and um, in 2012, we worked on a bond measure called Measure GG to bring $90 million to Inglewood schools, right? right? And that brought, so essentially that raised property taxes so that way we were able to then invest money into rebuilding schools, right? Schools were literally falling apart. Yes. Now, since that time, Right, a number of schools, elementary schools, middle schools, and high schools have been repainted, have been rebuilt. You know, there's been infrastructure placed in those. So, again, right, like the issue wasn't necessarily that 
this that Inglewood Unified didn't have the money. The right. issue was that the or, or not didn't have money, but the but like the issue wasn't that Inglewood Unified didn't want to do it. The issue was that Inglewood Unified didn't have the capital to make it happen. But if so, you notice, they still, even though they paint the building, the teachers are still not teaching the children. Well, again, right? Like, like I think I think this is a, a broader, like this is a broader challenge and a broader structural issue with education, right? Like some folks in schools, some folks in other places, right? Like they, I think the one of the challenges with ed is that a lot of times in schools or a lot of times in places you have to teach to test and that style of education is just problematic right like because it's performance driven and not really driven in the kids have having a strong concept of the material so um a, a lot, lot of, of community-based organizations a lot of parents a lot tell of me that trying to change that a lot of teachers tell me they can't teach the black kids because the black kids are so out of order they they can't contain them or control them because they're like acting out in classes they're threatening the teachers they're they won't respect the adults what how do you deal with that kind of stuff well i, I think the well for one right like i think that's that's highly problematic um you know to to give you an example um i as a community-based educator while i was working with sgli and now in my new position as the manager of the Brother Son Selves Coalition, we work with young people who have been pushed out of schools. You know, we had worked with young people who were literally incarcerated in juvenile hall, right? right? And we were able to manage our classrooms and stuff just fine. I think oftentimes there's an underlying assumption that people walk into in those classrooms that these kids can't learn, so I'm gonna treat them as that. But if you don't walk in with that assumption and you walk in with something like our friends from Californians for Justice would call a relationship-centered approach, right, then it's much more easier to engage young people and to teach them, right? Like, but the issue is that when you have educators, when you have adults specifically who don't necessarily want to invest and don't want to, want to build relationships with young people because you don't care about them or you don't like them, then that becomes the problem. Is that a and problem? kids are gonna respond. Is that a problem? A lot of the black teachers, they don't feel like dealing with those kind of kids. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't even just say that's a black teacher thing. I think that's a broader. But that's who mostly complain about the black kids or the black teachers. No, I, and I, I would say the I would black say that's female a, teachers. I would say that's a teacher thing. I would say that's a broader because again, right? Like, if we look at, for example, you know, if we look at some of the data on school suspensions, right? Like the data on school suspensions would suggest that um, that the majority of people being suspended are black kids, particularly black boys. Right. Right. Um, but oftentimes black boys are suspended for violations that other kids might get detention for. Other kids might just get sent out the classroom for. So, again, this isn't just all black teachers doing that, because if so, it would be really low because the vast majority of America's teaching force is still white and female. Right. But so, the, the, uh, the black boys, not all, not all, not all, but most tend to fight in class, fight the teachers, curse the teachers out. Uh, rude in the classrooms, and so they will get thrown out where the white kids tend to be more respectful in the classroom. They don't curse and fight and carry on like that. How should the teachers deal with the black kids acting that way? Well, I, 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 I mean, I think the, the issue, right, is that, you know, if you frame it as that, you would think that it's only a black kid problem. I've certainly been in spaces where, you know, where white kids would act the same exact way, but black kids are criminalized for doing the same things that white kids get therapy for, right? So how so, should the teacher deal with the but, black kids acting that way? But, well, I, I think the, the issue is, is, it's not how should the teachers deal with the black kids acting that way. The issue is, well, what's the underlying problem, right? What's the underlying problem? with these issues and then how do we address the underlying problem? And what is the because, underlying problem? Well, oftentimes the underlying problems are a lot of the things that young people walk into classes with. Young people walk into classes, you know, addressing trauma at home, addressing things that happen outside of the class, addressing things that may be going on with their peers. And again, right, like at a school like, let's say for example, a Phillips Exeter Academy, which is, you know, a private boarding school on the East Coast, like 60% of their, of their uh, alum go to Ivy League colleges, right? Like those kids have more drugs, those kids have more things than any of the kids in our neighborhoods do, 
But the issue is that when they're going through stuff, they are giving resources and tools to succeed as opposed to being over-criminalized and penalized for it. So, 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 you so is it a white school? Well, uh, it, it's a it's a private elite school. It's, is it white? Um, I mean, they have a white population, but it's, is it majority white? I've not heard of. It, that's what I'm asking. Is it majority white or something? Uh, I mean, well, the vast the majority of a lot of these boarding schools, not only are they majority white, but they're also majority wealthy, right? So even sure. if they are racially diverse, right, the average income bracket, right, like these are folks that the 1% where they would send their kids to. But the one the school you just mentioned, is that a predominantly white school back east? Um, uh, one of them, yeah. Okay. Um, were, you raised, were you raised by both parents? Yes. Father and mother in the home? Yes. And as a result, you didn't get in a lot of trouble and carry on like that? Well, I mean, I think we all get in trouble, I think. But like, as a result of having both parents in the home, you didn't get in as much trouble as those kids do that don't have both parents at home? No, nah, I mean, I definitely did because I was with the kids that got, that didn't have both parents at home. I think we so are. So you're saying, yes, you did as much damage as they did? Well, I, I think the issue isn't that I did as much damage as they did. I think, again, teenagers, regardless of, you know, whether they have two parents in the home, whether they have, you know, just a, a working mom or both parents are working or no parents are working, right? Like teenagers do stuff because they're teenagers. So did right. you cause as much problem having two parents at home as those kids did who did not have two parents at home? Well, again, I think the like that's that's not the the case, right? Because like some of those because some of that stuff is is conflicting, right? So my mother passed while I was in high school, right? You know, and then we shifted over to a, a you know single parent household with my dad leading that, right? Like so that same narrative doesn't necessarily fit neatly. You know, I have a lot of friends who, you know, went through all kind of different things, but it wasn't because that their, you know, their parents were or were not at home. They But what were I'm going trying to find out is you get in as much trouble as a result of having two parents at home as opposed to those kids who did not have two parents. Well again, right, like like well, how did are you, you get in that much trouble? How are you defining trouble? You know, fights and break ins and acting out of orderly and the schools and things. Did you do all that as a result of having parents in the home? Well, I don't think that was a result of having parents in the home. So your two parents didn't play a role in your life at all as important to how you conducted yourself when you were out? Well, I, I, think, the, I think the challenge to what you're asking or how you're framing it is that parents and parents alone are the thing that's going to stop that. Well, I haven't gotten to that yet. I'm just asking, having the two parents in the home did that impact you differently than it did with the kids who did not have two parents in the home as far as how to carry yourself and act when you're out in public? Did that impact you? Well, I, I think uh, it, it would be a lie to say that it didn't. I think the issue isn't that. But did it right? impact you in a good way? I mean, it, it, of, of course it did, right? Like, and but, so if those other kids the... had two parents at home, is there a possibility that it will, they would be impacted by having, in a good way, by having two parents in the home as well? Well, I mean, again, right, like, so, so that would then put the blame on, on the one-parent household and specifically black women for doing that. And what's wrong with that? I, I, I wouldn't necessarily blame them for that because I, I don't think that's the case. I think the issue, again, right, like the, the broader issue when, when we start looking at social systems and how systems play a role in this, Right. Is that um, is that when we start talking about raising, loving on and making sure that black children grow up to be successful and full adults. Right. Like one of the broader issues is that regardless if you have a two parent household, Trayvon Martin had a two parent household. Right. Regardless if no, you have no, his, 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 his parents were separated, his father with another woman. Well, but uh -huh. yeah. So but, but again, right. One like, parent. Well, it's a one-parent household, but they were co-parenting. No, he was, go he was going get, to his dad's place. I know, but his father <laughs> and mother did not get along. Well, so so what doesn't matter is and his father with another woman. Well, but what what doesn't matter, right, is whether or not mom and dad get along. What does matter is the fact that they're both contributing to their child's life. But since you right? are a community ordinary, I'm just asking you. You had two parents in the home, so your life was. You carry yourself differently than the kids who did not or do not have two parents in the home. 
do you think that if they had two parents in their home, they would carry themselves differently if they had two parents? Well, it, it all depends on context, right? Like, because if, if it depends on who their parents are, right? Like, because you could have two parents in a home who are incredibly abusive. You could have two parents in a home, right, who aren't necessarily showing you the things that they need to show you. You could have two parents in a home and you could still, right, like be put on a path of, of all kinds of struggle. A New York Times report came out that showed that black boys who are raised in two-parent households with the highest level of income still have the highest probability of being poor in, in their lifetime. And that's not because of the parents and the parents alone, it's because of institutional and systemic racism. But what I'm asking you, and I haven't gotten an answer to, and I, because you're a community organizer, you're involved, so you would know, if the kids had two parents in the home, are they more likely or less likely to conduct themselves in a better way? Well, again, I think they're... With all being equal, are they more likely or less likely? There's no research that would, that would support what that. What do you say personally? Are they more likely or less likely if they were raised by two parents to again, conduct themselves in a better way? So again, as a, as a, not only as an organizer, but also as a researcher, as a scholar, right? right like I would, I would strongly caution against rhetoric like that because- Like what? It, well, saying that somebody would conduct themselves better if they But I'm asking, I didn't say, I'm just asking. Yeah, so, Are they less likely or more likely to conduct themselves in a better way if they had two parents? No. Like, again, they're less likely to? No, it's, it's that, it's that they're, it, in order to say, in order to make a claim, right, to make a claim that says somebody is more or less likely to do something, right, like what we would need is we would need data that would suggest that, you know, somebody is more or less likely to behave in a certain way based on a particular set of criteria, right? Now, what the research has shown us especially when we're talking about raising black children, in particular black boys, it doesn't matter what your social circumstances are, right? It doesn't matter how you behave or how you act, or even if we think about somebody like Elijah McClain, who was killed by police, um, who was killed by police last year, you know, you had this really, this really soft boy who was playing violin for kittens, right? It doesn't necessarily matter who you are or in what sort of aspect you have, you are still subjected to racial inequality. Amazing. So, so it doesn't necessarily matter, right, like if you have two parents in a household or not because we live in a white supremacist country that is the United States of America. Amazing. What's the, so let me just ask, did your parents, two parents in your home, did they impact you in a negative way or a positive way? Well, there's a reason why I'm here now. Did they impact you in a positive way or a negative way? In a positive way. So they had a lot to do with the way you carry yourself, the fact you went on and got a college, get a college degree. And, and my parents also raised me, right, to make sure that whatever I do, that I work with, I build with, and I love the black community. And do you right? think that would happen for most of the kids if they were raised by two parents? Um, if they were raised by two parents who instilled in them values that similar to my parents, right. I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. I think you can do that with one parent. You can do that with no parents, and you can do that with, you know, good mentors. Well, in how the about two parents? Again, right, like the parents in and of themselves, right, like while it is an important factor, it's not the only factor. Um, you, um, you belong to an organization called, no, you work as a manager of an organization called Brother Sons Slave Coalition. So, in Los I'm sorry? Selves. S-E-L-V-E-S. And, oh, Selves Coalition. Yes. I saw I'm a slave. But what is that exactly? So, uh, so I, I think this is important, right, to yeah. connect it to your point. Um, we're a coalition that works with nine community-based organizations um, that works to build the leadership and the organizing capacity of boys and young men of color, right, so that way they can go out and change institutional laws and policies for themselves. Right, so um, to give you an example, we have coalition partners like the Brotherhood Crusade, like the Social Justice Learning Institute, that work specifically with black boys. And some of the work that they do, right, like is they provide the mentorship, the guidance, they provide some of that trauma-informed care. Um, in some cases, they even invest in therapy for their young folks. And because of that, 
right? Like they have been able to drastically change the results. For multiple years in a row, these programs have had over a 95% high school graduation rate. For the people who that, for the young, for the young men who have been arrested before, who get into their programs, over over 90% of them don't reoffend, right? So, so again, right? Like when we talk about these broader issues of of whether or not people may have parents or whether or not people may have those things, a lot of it boils down to resources and these programs that I work with give young people the resources and tools that they need to thrive, and they thrive. If they were raised with good, decent parents, both parents, would they need the program? A absolutely. Really? Um, I know, trust what, me, like, I, I know like we, we've had kids who had two parents, both parents were in a household, and they needed just as much support as our kids in foster care. Were they married or unwed? Um, they could be married, they could be unwed, they could be divorced. It doesn't, like, again, right, like the broader issue isn't the parents. What the the root, broader issue is supporting young people. What is the root cause of gang uh, uh, membership? Why do, what's the root cause for men, boys and girls joining gangs? Well, I, I, I think it depends on, it depends on, right, like what you're looking at it as, right? Like for the, for the young folks who I've worked with, who were involved in gangs and for the people who I knew who were involved in gangs, right? Like some of it was connected to family. Some of it was connected to economic opportunity, right? Some of it was for protection. So when protection. you say economic opportunity, are you saying they're stealing and killing because they want money? Well, I, I mean, when you have no other options, yeah, like that's... We have no other option, you were stealing and killing to get it? Well, I, I, think, I, I think I wouldn't because I have options. Right. Right, like but if you didn't, you were stealing kill for it. Well, I, I, I think again, right? Like, like I, I don't think it's that simple, right? Because when when we're talking about broader issues, even even when we talk about crime, right? Like when we talk about crime and these broader issues, a lot of them are crimes of poverty, right? Like to, to give you an example, in the state of California, we passed a proposition called Prop Forty Seven. Prop 47 turned nonviolent drug offenses into um, from felonies to misdemeanors, which then allowed the people who were locked up behind drug offenses, mainly for marijuana, right, to now go get jobs. And some cities have invested in permits. Now, the now one of the issues with this is that at one point in time, it was illegal, right, to sell weed. But now, right, in 2020, Right, over 80% of the companies that are running dispensaries are now white owned. So here are white men posed to do the very same thing black men were trying to do, but black men were incarcerated for it at a disproportionately high rate. Right, so again, like, so, so when we talk about this idea of crime, right, like, yeah, people are doing it because they're trying to make money, the same way that these white folks are trying to do. Which is most important to change the character of the person? or to change the law? It's to change the law. But not the character? Uh, I mean, I think systems impact behaviors. So when the systems change, right, then therefore the behaviors will then change. Right? So, 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 look, look, so to give you an example of what that looks like, right, like on that campaign that I was telling you about back yeah. in 2012, the Measure GG campaign, right. we did that with all black male youth. Some of them who had third and fourth grade reading levels when we started working with them. Their reading levels increase, their abilities to speak publicly increase, right? Their abilities to read and write increase, right? Like we taught young folks how to do college level research, research that I learned as a PhD candidate. We taught 15, 16, and 17 year old black boys in Inglewood, California how to do that, right? And that was because, you know, and, and again, that was because we invested in them and we created a system that then changed their behavior. Would men and women, boys and girls of character, would they rob, steal, and kill? If they needed to. Would they do it if they're of character? Well, so to give you an example of what this looks like, right? In, um, in, in New Orleans, um, when Hurricane Katrina happened, right? Um, there were two pictures that, um, you know, the internet wasn't as popular, but there was a lot of media frenzy around it. Yeah. There were two pictures, one picture of, uh, of a white couple who was going in the stores and looking for things, and the media said that they were scavenging and that they were trying to survive. Right. When 
a group of black folks did it, they said they were looters, right? Both people are doing exactly what they need to do, but they're framing it differently, right? So again, like when we talk about of character, people do what they need to do in order to survive. And I think the broader challenge to the phrase or to the framing of it is that if we are going to, if we are really going to be of character, we're going to talk about character, right? Like we need to be talking about the character of the people who allow, right, like poverty, who allow these things to happen while certain people benefit and the rest of us, including regular white folks, don't benefit. So with men and women, boys and girls of character, would they rob, steal, and kill? I think the real question is, would a country that was of character, right, allow an entire American city to go without clean water for five years? Would a country that was of character, right, like, you know, allow over 1,100 of their citizens every single year to be killed by law enforcement? Would a country that was of character, right, like, allow, you know, their education system to not be one of the top five in the world, right, to not invest in it that way and still brag about being the best country. So I think when we're talking about this idea of character, right, like I think people's character is a reflection of the systems that they're a part of, of the systems that they're in. So uh, not a, about that. Not a reflection of their parents, but of the system? It's a reflection of the systems, yes. But not of the parents? Yeah. So with men, women, boys, and girls of character, would they rob, steal, and kill? Again, like I said, if they needed to. You saying yes, they would? If, like, so, so for example... Are you in, saying yes, they would? Um, I'm, uh, what I'm saying, right, like what I'm saying is I think the, the broader framing of the question then implies that there are certain people who are not of character right, like who are doing these things because there's something inherently wrong with them, not the conditions that they're in. I'm saying that if you change the conditions, people change. But you haven't answered my because I don't know. You're the expert, so I don't know. I'm asking, would men, women, boys, and girls of character, would they rob, steal, and kill? Well, I think, so to give you an example, Can right? Can you just like, give me a yes or no it's, because it's not, of time? Uh, absolutely not, because it's not because it's not that simple, right? Somebody like Malcolm X, right, like who did rob, steal, was a part of all kind of other things, right? Became one of the most famous orators and black leaders in the in 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 the world, right? You know, and that's because you know folks from the Nation of Islam poured into him and invested in him and his leadership, right? So um, so when we're talking about this idea of like our people of character, right? Like character can change when you change the conditions. So- Are you I'm, a Christian? Um, I'm, I'm, I am a Christian, yes. You are a Christian. Um, on a scale of one to 10, how important is education? How important is education? Yes. Like a 12, it's hella important. On a scale of one to 10, how important is it, is, is it to have two parents in the home? I think what matters more is are these parents supported? It's cool to have two parents. I think it's important to have two parents. I think what I'm more concerned about is do these two parents have the resources and tools that they need in order to raise their children? On a scale of one to 10, how important is it to have two parents in the home? I think it's important for these parents to have the resources and tools that they need. Uh, on what scale, one to 10, how important is it to have two parents in the home? Um, I think, uh, again, right, like I think it's a, it's a 10 for the parents having the resources that they need. That's what I'm going to say. Well, you and that's gave my me answer. a 12 when I asked about education, yeah. but you don't know how important it is for two parents in a home no, on I'm, a scale of 1 to 10? No, I, no I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I, what I'm saying is it's important to have, for those parents to have resources. You can have two parents in a home but like if you are living in poverty, if you don't have access to the resources, if you can't feed your children, right, then it is still going to be an issue, right? So you can have one parent, right, like you can have one parent, you know, this parent has a six-figure job, this parent is, is, is working really well, their kid goes to an Ivy League school, right, and then that is 
that's what happens, and so, that's a good thing. So you're not even to give me a number on the parents. I'm telling you right now, it is a ten for parents having resources. I refuse to answer the question on whether or not it's important for two parents because I don't fundamentally believe that two parents and two parents alone is going to be the is is going to be the the factor. How it's important Im for the parents to have resources. How important is it to have for bo black boys and girls to have a father in their life? Um, I think what matters the most is do they have positive adults in their life? How about right? a father? Like, How I important think, it is to have a father? I, I think, so to give you an example, right, like um, um, at, there's a professor at San Francisco State University who talks about this idea of social fatherhood, right, where um, young men who are in the community right would become mentored and because who are because of time now, i'm asking how important it is for black boys and girls to have their father in their life i, I think it's, it's always important for parents to be involved in their kids lives right i wouldn't disagree with that i think it is in a scale uh, i would say a 10 for parents to be involved right for all parents to be involved how about for black fathers um i mean for black fathers i i, I would say how important it is for black fathers to be in the lives of their boys and girls. Have you seen the recent research where, um, where it actually indicated that black dads were the most involved in their, in their kids' lives? But I'm asking how important is that to have it's, that? It's incredibly important. Um, you gave a TED talk uh, um, about today's youth, right? Yes. And uh, what is the solution to the pain that black youth are feeling today? Um, well, the the issue is again we have to address the structures that facilitate that pain. And what is the pain? Um, the pain is the harm and neglect that Black young people and Black communities have experienced for centuries in this country. Is it is it possible that it could be the yearning of a father? Um, I, I wouldn't say that. I think why not? Well, Michael Brown was killed. He had his dad in his life. Where is Michael Brown right. now? Dead. I rest my case. Uh, but but he he had his dad in his life. No, he didn't. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are he you talking about? He was with his mother. Well, uh, well, again, right. His dad was in his life. Amazing. I, I think I think that's I think that's the issue, right? Like, is that it's it's not it's not necessarily just about whether or not there is a father figure or, or, or just a father. Again, the issue is resources. So you say that you're a Christian, right? Yes. Do you believe in the order of God? I, I, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in God, yes. How about the order of God? Um, I believe that Jesus, right, you know, was a man who rolled around, right, like with... 12 people who were considered misfits, who were considered to be those people who were not of good character, and that Jesus definitely underscored what it meant to be, um, what it meant to care for all, what Do it meant to center the you believe in the order the of God? Well, define the order of God. God in Christ, Christ in man, man over woman, and woman over children. Do you believe in that order? Well, I, I don't think that in today's society or even in that society it's that simple. Do you believe in that order? Um, again, I don't think it's that simple. That's not a yes or no answer. Well, I didn't ask you if it was simple. I asked that you, as a Christian, do you believe in that order of God and Christ, Christ and man, man over woman, and woman over children? Um, I think as a Christian, what I believe in is the understanding of uh, Jesus' Jesus's teachings as well as what it means, right, to then advocate for all people. How about Whether, that order? Do you believe in that order? Um, so I think you're doing something where you're trying to get me into a yes or no situation. Right, I, I want to know just, how you I'm, think. You're the expert. Yeah, and I'm just letting you know that you're not going to get a simple answer from me on that. Oh, I see. You are a member of Black Lives Matter. Yes. And how long have you been a member? Uh, again, since 2014. And did you know that Black Lives Matter was an organization that was founded by a bunch of fat black lesbians who hate God, who hate the family, order of the family, who hate the unborn child, and they admitted, at least one of them, that they are a Marxist group and they've been trained to do what they're doing. Did you know it was founded by some fat black lesbians? <laughs> wow, so, okay, so first of all... Did you um, know that? Um, what, what we're not going to do is insult folks, right? Um, so... Well, they claim to be lesbians and they're fat and they're black. Well, I didn't do it. Well, no, well, so, so, so. But did you know that it was founded by them? Um, well, yes, but also too, like I said, 
we're not going to insult them. That that's not cool, right? Um, so don't do that again. Would they consider that an um, insult? Yes. Why would they they claim to be that? Why would they consider well, it insult? Well, time out. I've interviewed them. Uh, uh, so 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 again, like I said, like like. We're not going to talk about them like that. But you knew it was founded by them, right? Before yes, you yes. joined. Yes, I, I, I personally know them, right? So, right. so, so, so we're, we're, we're just we're going to stop that part. And you knew that before okay. they joined. What made you join, knowing that? Because normally men don't follow women like that. What made you do it? Well, so I want to touch on a couple of points that that you brought up. All right. Right. So first off, right, like I think, well. You're a working man, right? You have yeah. people who work here. Yes. Um, do you know why you get weekends off or why people have weekends off? Right. Supposedly I'm to you. rest. To huh? rest. Supposedly to rest. Oh, to so reflect and, you know, take care of things around the house. Okay, cool. And um, and I'm assuming that people typically might work, you for full-time folks, eight-hour work days? Some of them. The lazy ones don't, but... Yeah, right? So, 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 <laughs> so, so that, right? Um, so where do you think that the idea that people should get time off and that the work day shouldn't go on for 12 and 14 hours, where did, where did it come from? I don't know, but it's a bad idea. Is it? They need to work 24 hours a day. I want to make them slaves. Wow. But somebody came up, probably some stupid union or something. Whoa. But, oh, so, okay. So, 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 so time out, right? So you said somebody founded some union. I said probably some stupid union came up with that idea. Well, so 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 again, so so I think the the challenge, right, is that um, is that those like having a day off or having days off, right, like and having eight hour work days is ideas informed by Marxism, right? The Communist Manifesto specifically speaks to the worker that was created, right, like, and that is what led to the creation of unions that protect people's labor. So I wouldn't necessarily frame it or frame that as a bad thing because I think most of your viewers kind of enjoy their days off. So they have Marxists to thank for that. So I just want to let you know. Are you a Marxist? Um, am I a Marxist? I think what I am, right, is I'm somebody committed to the liberation of oppressed peoples globally. Are you a capitalist or a Marxist? Um, I'm definitely not a capitalist, no. Are you a Marxist? Um, I think what I am is I'm somebody committed to the liberation of oppressed but peoples. But I'm asking you, are you a Marxist? Um, again, like I said, it's not that simple. If you've read... Are some, you a socialist? Um, have you read um, um, Cedric Robinson's Black Marxism? No. No. Well, I'm well, just I, trying I, to I find out about you. Are you a socialist or a Marxist? I think um, you're both pretty much the same, but which one are you? Um, what I am is I'm somebody dedicated to the liberation of all oppressed peoples. And so you're not a capitalist, right? No. So you don't believe in earning your way and getting paid for your earning? Well, I think the, the broader issue, right, is that people assume that that isn't in socialism or people assume that that isn't in, right, like other economic forms of being when that's not the case. People work not only to earn their wage, but also, too, to earn their way into the community. But not right? socialist people. Well, at, well, They are controlled by others. Well, Tom, how about you define what you think socialism is? It's uh, people who want to control other people. Okay, and where did you hear that from? Common sense. We look around, that's what Time out, do. time out. Is that common sense? Yes. Or, or, or did you read it from somewhere? No, common sense. I'm look, I've been in the world for a while now. And I see how, I remember when the blacks were not controlled. I was born in Alabama on a plantation. And black people used to get married. They thought and did for themselves. They were not controlled by government. Because, I didn't even know about welfare because blacks were not into that. They didn't have black leaders. They didn't accept all when this. When were you born? I, they didn't accept all when this. What doing? Uh, it's been so long now, 49, I think. Oh, you were born in 1949? Yeah. Oh, and so, so let me and, just and, make this point though, because of time. Okay. And so, uh, blacks were individuals. They thought and did for themselves. They looked out for others when time of need at the right time. But when the so-called civil rights movement started, black people sold their lives over to the so-called black leaders, and then the government. And now they are like groups, and they are being controlled by the government and by other people who are insecure. And they need a sense of security so they keep blacks down in order to control them. But I want to know, and what on, made, as on, a man, on, what, what made you decide to what, follow Black Lives Matter? Because the men don't follow women, especially radical women. Well, b before, before I go there, 
you had mentioned that in this transition in civil rights or, or, or how, how you framed it, you had mentioned that, um, that at some point um, black folks weren't, um, were self-sufficient and you know because of civil rights stopped being self-sufficient yes um First of all, so, there's oh, no oh, such thing as civil rights but they sold themselves over to okay that, okay 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 so hold, hold, on, hold on hold on hold on hold on so so i think the 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 challenge and you had also said at a certain point that people didn't receive welfare right that people right. that people didn't receive it never heard of a tamutan city okay so so look so so now let's Let's take that, let's take those ideas and let's dive a little bit deeper. Real fast right? because we run out of time, we have some more guests coming up. But I'm enjoying talking to you. Okay, well, uh, again, I, 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 I want to know what made you as a male decide to follow a bunch of radical women? Well, I think... Now, that's not normal. What well, made you decide to do it? What well, made you decide well, to do it? I, I think the, the issue isn't whether or not, you know, like men can follow women's leadership. I know I can because women can lead and women can do a damn good job leading. So were they created to lead or follow? Women were created to be full human beings. Were they created to lead or to follow? That women were created to be full human beings. How about were they created to lead? Again, you're doing that thing where you're saying... Because you're, you're not answering my question. You're a really smart guy. You're getting your doctorial. Yeah. You're a smart guy from UC Berkeley. So I'm asking you, were women created to lead or to follow? Women were created to be full human beings. That's my answer. I didn't ask answer. that question, though. But that's my answer. How are you going to get a good grade up at UC Berkeley? You can't answer a simple question. Well, I think the uh, as a as somebody who is a researcher, the the answer is never directly in right. Like the the, the question the the question itself is the problem. So that's why I'm giving what, you a different what's answer. What's the problem with that question? Because the answer would then assume that we're like, well, if I say that well women are meant to follow right then that means that women are in somehow incredibly subservient that is not the case so at all even if it's true you can't say it no it's not true but if it's true could you say it no it's not true no i didn't ask you if it was true or not i said if it was true would you be able to say the truth well but that's not true i didn't ask you what i'm asking you would you be able to say yes the truth to that, if it were true. Well, I'm not going to answer a hypothetical question because that's not true. Amazing. So do you believe that uh, black lives matter? I do. What does that mean? Um, black lives matter means that black people and their full humanity, right, should not, their lives should not be harmed or stolen by state-sanctioned violence. Who does it matter to? Black lives should matter not only to us, but to everybody. Not sure, but who does it matter to? Black lives matter to everyone. And like who? Everybody. Like who, for example? Everybody who's a contact in your phone, all the people here, whether we're talking about the state, whether we're talking about the government, whether we're talking about the police, whether we're talking about people in our community. Does black lives matter to black people? Absolutely. Why are they killing each other? Um, so, to get to that point, um, I think... Right, like when you talk about issues, especially of intra-communal violence, right? People kill who they're next to. Like, like people don't just people don't just go out and kill somebody because I'm killing you because you're black, right? Like when people commit harm, when people commit violent acts, it's oftentimes in retaliation to something or it was for a specific reason, right? And then when that happens, those people are then, you know put through the criminal justice system and prosecuted for it. So right? black so lives only matter I'm not done black, talking. Black I'm not, I'm not done. I'm not, if it's I'm not done. All right. I'm, I'm not done talking, right? There are community organizations that have been fighting back against that type of violence for a very long time. Let's say, for example, here in Los Angeles, we have an organization like Second Call that was working against, um, that's been working, right, to make sure that gangs don't have beef with each other. They work on ceasefires between neighborhoods that have been, you know, working uh, or that have been right like at war for years, right? So there are people, there are organizations that are doing the work to stop the intra-communal violence. So black lives have always mattered to black people. Organizations like the Brotherhood Crusade, organizations- But because uh, of time, do black lives matter to those black people who are killing other little black children? Yes, like, like, like black lives- yes, it matter? Yes, Black Lives Matter to well, Black people. Well, why are they people. killing those children then? 
um, again, right? Like, like what you're missing in this broader thing is that again, intracommunal violence is a is a broader challenge, right? Like that we have worked on internally in our communities for years, right? Like people never ask those questions when white folks kill 85% of white people. That's, that's not called white on white crime. Does black lives matter enough to black people that they would encourage two parents in a home? I think black lives matter enough to black people to where it doesn't matter what kind of parents we have in the home. But do, that, they encourage, that, do, they, does it, do, do black lives matter enough for black people to encourage two parents in the home? I think black lives matter enough to black people to where we want to make sure that we build a better world for black children. Do white lives matter? Um, I think, yeah, like nobody would ever say that they didn't. But do they? Yeah. Okay. Do black lives matter when it comes to the unborn child or unborn children? Because there's 70% of par parents planned who are abortion meals in the inner cities and they're killing black babies like 90 going north in the womb. Do those black lives matter to black lives matter people and other blacks? Well, what about the mother? Because abortions are about the mother and the decision that that mother makes, right, about what's happening with her. But like, I'm asking you, do those black lives matter to black people? The black lives that matter to black people are the black lives that are currently existing. But not those in the womb. The black lives, well, so, so, all right, look, you want to talk about what's going on in the womb, let's go there. What's going, why is it that black mothers don't have access to maternal care? Why is it that black mothers, when their kids are born, right, they go to hospitals and they don't have access to the resources? Serena Williams, right, who is a famous tennis player, almost died giving birth to her child, and she is a rich athlete, right? So, 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 so before I stop, right, like, again, yes, black, black kids in the womb matter to black folks, but the issue is that systems continuously treat us bad. Right. So regardless whether we're talking about abortions or even if we're talking about going through to give birth. Right. Like kids are coming into this world in a racist environment. So before Amazing. so before I answer that question about, yes, do do do, do people the do, do do black kids matter in the womb? Yes, they do matter. And yes, black kids do matter in the womb. But not to black right? matter. They don't care about that. Well, they made it clear they don't care about abortion. But no, 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 uh, if, if, if an abortion is that, then yes. Do you support uh, same-sex marriage? Yes, people shouldn't be allowed to get married to whoever they want to. Amazing. Um, that's mind-blowing. Isn't that like amazing? You got to admit that amazing, right? What? Being a Christian, you would support all that. Well, so Jesus loved poor people. Jesus publicly defended. He loved them enough not to kill them in the womb. Jesus also loved a prostitute enough to defend her in public. Right, but not to kill her. Yeah, and, and he stopped people from killing her, a prostitute But you guys are not stopping them from killing them in the womb. Well, we're trying to stop people from killing us in regular life. But not in the womb. <laughs> so again, right, like, I, so I, I, I think the, the broader issue that you're trying to bring up and that you're trying to provoke is this idea that you know for some for some odd reason that to black lives matter the broader network or the organization that other segments of black folks and black lives like don't matter to them because we only care about police violence i think that's what you're doing if black so stop 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 hold on 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 for one second I think the issue is that you're only thinking of this organization and that since this organization isn't addressing all of those other things, right, like that for some reason, right, like that, like they don't think black lives actually matter. Understand that black people, black communities and other black organizations have been addressing all of these same issues, right, like for decades. There is a there is a work group. Right now, here in L.A. County, um, led by a woman named Adoja, that's focused specifically on African-American maternal health, Maybe. right? Like, and... Let and, me just say, and, because of time, I'm totally run out of well, time. Well, hold, oh, I well, want to ask you real fast. If black men and women got married, would they then have to kill the children in the womb? 
Well, I think the issue is, right, like, regardless if black men or women get married or not, is, is the woman going to be healthy enough to take that pregnancy to term? Are you in favor of dismantling the police departments around the country? I'm in favor of broader public safety, and police are not the ones who help to keep communities safe. Oh, so you are you in favor of dismantling the police departments? I'm in favor of reimagining public safety, so that way we can take that I'm money that police slow, use. And I don't know what that means. Are you in favor of dismantling police departments? I'm in favor of building up departments of real public safety. And you, police are not that. Do you believe that there's something called sy systemic racism? That's what I've said this entire time. And what is it? Literally everything I just said. What is systemic racism? Well, it's one thing for a one individual person to say a racist thing or do a racist thing. It's what another is thing a racist for, thing? So let's say, for example, um, you know, when when George Zimmerman killed Trayvon Martin, right? Like what, what happened was he was on the phone, you know, like calling him all kind of different names um, and then right, like proceeded to follow him. So that's right? the, so, you did not follow so, him. Well, whatever you're saying. Well, so, 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 that was an individual act of racism. The systemic part, right, is that the is that it took, you know, over thirty days to arrest him, right? Then after taking that long to arrest him, then right, like the case went to trial, and then he eventually got off because the legal system protected him. So that is the systemic part. The individual in, act was protected by the systemic part. Do you believe part. innocent until proven guilty? Um, I believe that our entire court and judicial system is problematic and that it needs to be changed. I'm going to ask you, do you personally believe in innocent until proven guilty? Yeah. Do you discriminate? But what do you mean by discriminate? Do you discriminate? Well, again, right, like define discriminate. You don't know what that means? You go to Berkeley? No, I know, I know exactly what it means, but so I think you, you have a very... I think you have a very different understanding of no, words than I do. No, I don't. That's what I'm asking. Do you do you discriminate? No, I don't. You never discriminate. No. Amazing. So I gotta put you on the hot seat. So we gotta heat this thing up. I need you to answer these questions as quickly as possible. All right. Sure. The hot seat. Uh, Nicki Minaj or Cardi B? Nicki Minaj or Cardi B for what? Is climate change a lie? No. Uh, do white Europeans deserve reparations from the, from, from the North Africans who enslaved them? What? <laughs> do white Europeans deserve reparations from that, the North that Africans? That what was my answer. Skip to the oh, next question. <laughs> Should illegal aliens get free health care? They're not illegal, and yes. I'm sorry? They're not illegal. No human being is illegal, and yes. Do you love white people? I love people. Do you love white people? Um, I think there are white people who I love. Yes, I think that as a as somebody who's invested in the in the liberation of folks, I know that I have a love for people. I love white folks, Latinx folks, black folks. Do you folks, love et white people? Quickly as possible. Sure. Yeah. Uh, do you love the Great White Hope? What is the Great White Hope? The president, Donald Trump. No. The Great White Hope. Absolutely not. You don't love the Great White Hope? No. Um, and you a Christian? Well, why would I love a man who has harmed everybody? <laughs> we don't have time to get into that. Should black people vote for Joe Biden? Black people should vote. How about for Joe Biden? Black people should vote. Would you vote for Joe Biden? Black people should vote. Would I you, will vote. Would you vote for the Great White Hope? Absolutely not. Amazing. Do you believe that Jeffrey Epstein killed himself? I, that's not my business. Would you rather be poor in a socialist system or rich in a capitalist system? Uh, the issue is that with socialism, people aren't normally poor. So which would you rather be poor in a socialist system or rich in a capitalist system? I would rather be in a socialist system. Which historical figure do you admire most, the most? 
Huey P. Newton. Who? Huey P. Newton. Oh. Are you married? Yes. Are you the head of your wife? Excuse me? Are you the head of your wife? What do you mean, am I the head of my wife? Are you the head of your wife? I don't know what that means. Did you have fun? What? Did you have fun? Fun with what? Right here. With this interview? Uh-huh. I mean, it, it was, it was um, upsetting and I think at some points, right, like insulting. Um, but it was cool. Good dialogue. Amazing. Thanks for taking the high seat, man. Thank you for coming. Is there, is there anything you want to promote, put out there for the folks? I'm good. Thank you for coming, man. That was amazing. All right. You have children, too? Not yet, no. Okay. Thank you all for tuning in. I absolutely appreciate it. Don't forget to follow, like, tweet, ring the bell, check out the merch store. You like my shirt? Sorry. <laughs> and all that good stuff. We are back. The Chinese virus is done with. Thank you all so much. And let me hear from you. Thank you again. All right. Next time on The Fallen State. So I got to talk about your movie, Cracker. Yeah, and, and you got to say it right, it's Cracker. Cracker. The white supremacist from present day gets thrust back to an alternate history where blacks rule. What if it was their daughter that they saw being killed? Their mother, sweet as pie, getting cracked in the head with a bat. There's a scene in the movie where a black slave master raped a white woman. Why did you put that scene there? Black Matthew, man. Why did you put I'm, that scene there? I'm explaining to you. I am a storyteller. I'm trying to get a point across. You're not honest. George Floyd was, George Floyd, I'm getting excited. Yeah, I know. So how do you know what you're saying is true? Well, how do you know that? No, you're not asking a question. You're here ask a question with a question, man. Here we are in 2020. There's not one person on the planet that can say they have a badge that says, I'm a racism solver. I'm a racism solver. watching the fallen state we need your continued support donate to my nonprofit here subscribe and like the videos here and tell everybody and their mama about the show